if I want a basic cut to let, like style, let's say, yep. what am I looking for? Yeah, so if you came to me and said, I don't care who I get, but I don't want someone that's fresh out of school, then you'd probably be looking at $50 for a wash cut and style. Okay, awesome. And if my partner here wanted a haircut, what are they looking for? Um, Depends on what you're getting. There you go, show the hair. <laughs> it, honestly, so like, yeah, so you're... What would I price? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be like rude right now. We just have very like feminine features, and I just don't know what I'm dealing with. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christina. My preferred pronouns are she and her, and this is Business and Queries. In this series, we explore small businesses doing good for the queer community. Toronto has a reputation as a progressive city to live in. But in reality, there's a lot of work to be done to be inclusive of queer folk. This episode, I'm joined by my co-host, M, who had the chance to investigate the importance of LGBTQIP2SAA inclusive salons and barbershops. We would like to say, if you're still unsure about some of the ideas talked about and you need more info, just Google it. The best part about pre-recorded audio is it can be paused. So do your part and be informed. There's no excuse. In case you're wondering what that long acronym stands for, it's Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Questioning, Queer, Intersex, Pansexual, Two-Spirit, Androgynous, and Asexual. My name is M. I'm a gender non-conforming female, and my pronouns are she and her. Okay, so let's talk about that that opening scene. We walked into a salon in suburbia and asked the first Alice we could find just about the pricing uh, module for the salon. Um, and it was it was interesting. I asked uh, how she would price me because I am a cis female and I present as very feminine. Um, and as soon as we asked about your haircut price, there was some hesitance. Right? There was a little bit of confusion and um, gawking almost. Fairly interesting. It seems like until I found the hairstylist that I currently go to, it was something that I had to deal with quite often. Someone kind of like analyzing you. I would imagine a hairstylist is going to analyze your head for potentially what looks good for your hair. But I find, especially when I'm going into like clothing stores or salons, that kind of stuff, people are trying to figure out my gender. And that gender determines what kind of service I get or what kind of attitude or um, conversations come up. It definitely eliminates, eliminated my personhood in that moment because for a second it was like I was in a Petri dish and this person was a scientist trying to figure out exactly who I was. When meanwhile, get out of my head, lady, I just want a haircut. That being said, uh, it's, it's an interesting experience when you, when you do walk in somewhere and you're not being heard for what you're saying, you're being heard for what you look like. And I think um, it creates a, an atmosphere of inclusivity or an atmosphere of isolation. And unfortunately, we have a lot of queer people that are scared, discouraged, not excited about getting haircuts. I found actually quite funny the one person that we interviewed who brought up my feminine features, which is like, exactly 
what I am, like a female. Um, and even though I am gender nonconforming, she was even hesitant to like, ooh, even analyze me. And it's a fairly interesting concept because we don't think about that when we think about services. You know, the idea is you have enough money or you don't. It's not necessarily like who you are determines what kind of service you get. So definitely it's, it's interesting living life under the microscope. Uh, I will say that not everybody is like this. And there's a lot of really great... Uh, open-minded people out there that gender is not even at the forefront of their mind when they are talking to me. But there's definitely a large part of the population that I've encountered in the last 25 years where they are so hung up on my gender that they can't think about anything else. Even though it feels like it sometimes, I know I'm not the only person who's gone through this. Tyler Lum is the owner of MPL Cuts, and he's had a similar experience. I am the founder of MPL Cuts. It's a gender-affirming, gender-free barbershop. We approach our pricing on our menu. We have barber cuts or long haircuts. Tyler's shop is at College in Bathurst. He can recall the details of walking into a salon in Brampton after a sign posted outside read, $25 for men's cuts. So hair was really important to me and having a clean haircut was, was really important to my job as well. I went into a salon because it said that there was $25 men's haircuts, men's in quotes, and uh, I wanted a fade, so why not? At this time, I hadn't transitioned yet. I went up to the receptionist, asked if I could see somebody who does the best fades. I wanted a short haircut. So she put me with somebody who was amazing. They did exactly what I wanted them to do. He, uh, he was queer as well. So he made me feel super comfortable in his chair, which, you know, obviously that made me feel really good. And that feeling came to like here as well. Tyler's experiences up to that point had made him feel heard and accepted. That changed when he went up to pay. And when I went to go pay for that haircut, they charged me $70 because I was female presenting at the time. And I argued with them for a long time until I finally said to them, you know what, if you charge me $25 now, I'm going to come back every two weeks because I need a haircut every two weeks for my job. A price was negotiated between a men's haircut price and Tyler's presented gender. But he continued to come back to the salon because of the quality of the haircut. And I did go back only because I felt comfortable in that person's chair. I may not have felt comfortable in the shop, but being in the presence of somebody else who understood me and the kind of haircut I was looking for and that I wanted to look masculine and I didn't want somebody to tell me, oh, you should get a feminine haircut or you shouldn't go that short. So to me, that was important. So I did go back. That's what I'm trying to, to change, is the gender roles in hair, the gender roles in services in general, because females pay more than males. And that's what inspired me to create what I've created today. That's such an intense, heavy story. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about your experience actually going to MPL? Definitely very different than other salons or barbershops that I've seen. I mean, obviously, it has all the fixings like salon chairs, mirrors, blow dryers, hairspray, all that jazz. Cool scissors. I really liked some of the colors they had on the scissors. 
But what made the space different, I think, than a traditional salon or barbershop is the fact that it wasn't this uniformed, super sanitized look. Like there was art on the walls and you could have an opinion about it, good or bad. You know what I mean? Sorry, I wasn't there. So I want a little more context. Um, What? Tell me more about the art. And you mentioned the colors on the scissors. So am I looking at like a rainbow clad salon or barbershop? Sorry. So you're walking in. There's wooden floors, big mural on your right hand side that kind of um, hugs the bench where you sit and wait for your cut. Think of a massive phoenix almost with its wings spread way out. And behind it, there's a outline of the CN Tower, some skyscrapers, and just the colors on it. It's like a light blue, neon, yellow, green, um, just very vibrant. Uh, the people there, some of them are gender nonconforming, non-binary, trans, queer. Everybody's really open and inviting. Everybody talks to you. Okay, I'm liking this. I like that it, it feels, as you're telling me, very warm and happy because of all the colors. And it, it's clean, which, I mean, I, I'm sure all customers can appreciate. But what was the vibe like? What, what were you feeling when you, especially, you, you mentioned you... Um, do you present as non-conforming, you're androgynous. How did you feel walking in? Like I didn't have to prove anything, and that's a really nice feeling. I definitely didn't have that judgmental gaze that although someone's not saying something with their lips, they're saying it with their eyes as they double or triple take me. Um, So there's definitely none of that nonsense at this store. You walk in and you're a person. You're not a dollar, you're not a haircut, you're a person. And I think that's very different from traditional business models because, you know, businesses don't want you to hang out at their business if you're not going to spend money. But Tyler actively encourages that, you know, you're in the area, drop by, come like know your community. And I I think that's what that inviting nature is as well, is this... uh, uh, community-driven, safe spot that doesn't matter if you're going out for a cup of coffee or you actually have a haircut appointment. You can stop by. You can say hi to Tyler, to the different stylists. Did Tyler ask one of his clients what I, makes what makes him comfortable? Um, I'm. We definitely talked to Tyler about what makes his clients kind of come back. And he said, especially initially when he was learning to cut uh, hair, he will say to himself, he's, I wasn't a great barber, he's told us. But people came back to him because he made them feel welcoming, because he asked them questions, because he didn't give them judgment, because he did the hairstyle that they wanted. He didn't impose what he wanted on them. I will clean up this top here so that it's all Do you want to go with a number two on the sides or so we actually spoke to Mac, a junior hairstylist at MPL Cuts. He, he brought up a really great point about how marginalized groups, people with disabilities, the queer community, POC, um, unless we're the ones paving the roads and making the rules, no one else is going to do it for us. It's 
the way society is like no one else is going to create those spaces for us and no one else has obviously created any of those spaces for the most marginalized um like i've wandered into so many salons where i walk out and i'm like i don't know i didn't really feel comfortable there the whole time i got what i wanted but i don't know if i'm going to come back because i feel weird (laughs) so this place is to me the exact opposite of that like the it's it's bright tall ceilings like beautiful colors i just kind of want to be here and i don't want to leave What Mac describes, to have a safe space, created by someone with an experience of not having one, that's what motivates Tyler and his work at MPL Cuts. I wanted to create something that was going to be comfortable for everybody because I walked into places numerous times and turned around and walked right out because of how uncomfortable it made me feel. An organization called the Dress Code Project was started by Kristen Franken after a similar experience as Tyler, except the roles were reversed. Well, I mean, I myself am a non-binary identifying person. It started about three years ago in my hair salon. I have um, always been obviously very inclusive, being that I identify within the queer community. But I was cutting a transgender woman's hair. And when I was finished cutting her hair, she tweeted to me the very next day that it was the first time she'd had a haircut and felt like a woman. And uh, it was just an incredibly impactful statement or tweet. And um, I just could not get it out of my head. And so I just decided that something needed to be done about this. And um, I, from there, just decided that I was going to be the one to do something. Because I think initially I was like, someone needs to do something. And then I was like, but who? (laughs) And so I just decided to uh, try to take a few steps. That's how it started. DCP is this online resource for the queer community to go find safe spaces uh, that are queer-friendly for salons and barbers. Talking to Kristen, she touched a lot on how she had clients coming in and they didn't really know where else to go. She acts as this uh, resource for them to be able to find somewhere to go and be accepted for who they are and get the quality service that they deserve. She herself works as a, a hairstylist, so she sits day in and day out with all kinds of walks of life and getting their story. So MPL Cuts is actually a part of this this resource online. They, they've they signed off on their registration. They are deemed a, a queer-friendly space, which, listening to the stories of you visiting Tyler and MPL Cuts, I can only imagine what that actually feels like but I mean what do you think what do you think about the having this organization that caters to the queer community really I I think we don't have as many resources or it's not as public as to where to go if you're a queer person I think everybody's familiar with Church Street and everyone's familiar with Pride. These are mainstream representations of LGBTQ asterisk um, population and community and culture. You know, we don't have those 
those resources off the top of our head. Unless you have a good, strong queer community, you're not going to know those resources. Organizations like the DCP, um, like MPL Cuts, they bring people through their doors or they bring people together. And then once people are together, we can start having conversations. And once we have conversations, then we can have change. But until we have change, we have to rally together and have those conversations first. I think to your point about safe spaces, talking to Kristen, she did say that it might be expanding in terms of it's not just quote-unquote queer salons or queer um, barbers. She did mention that there are actually traditional salons who are starting to connect with the DCP to learn about pricing out hair and and it just being hair and not being a, a man's head or a female's head of hair. I do believe that there will be a good expansion of, of a safe space for these queer communities that we have in Toronto, thanks to organizations like the DCP. Totally. And I mean, change is not going to come overnight, but it's the small steps that people like Kristen, like Tyler, it's just these little, little steps that are going to get us to, to a stride. I spoke to Zara Brown, a self-assured woman whose confidence spills out of her laugh and the way she speaks. But nothing makes her feel better than sitting in Tyler's chair for a cut. We all go through the same struggle in getting our hair cut. So to find a barber, it's really hard to, to get to Tyler. With Tyler's energy, I can imagine his impact to a lot of different people because I'm just one person. So one of the things I like about going to the shop, Tyler's very accommodating. So, for example, I'm hard of hearing, but I I need to read lips in order to listen. So when he's talking to me, he's always turning himself and making sure I'm facing him. And then so that when he talks, I I am able to understand what he's saying. For most barbers, they don't care. They talk behind their back. So they feel liberating and it feels just free because your anxiety went from 100 to zero because now you're understanding the barber. And that's a plus, you know. When I go through my private, like in high school, I think I was trying to like an experiment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that did not go well. <laughs> that did not go well at all. Yeah, I need people sometimes. Both Tyler and Kristen say one of their goals is to encourage traditional businesses to become more inclusive. You know, at a typical salon, they're very gendered. There's a female cut list and there's a male cut list. Some salons are already starting to change on that, though. Samantha Bianchini is a hairstylist at Studio CPB, a traditional hair salon. So I've been a hairstylist for five years now. Um, I apprenticed for about two, and I've been working behind the chair for about three years. I started here almost a year ago today, and the shop is just me and my dad, so it's nice and cozy. People like it. It's very intimate. So um, what I'm finding very difficult right now is uh, structuring men and fem- like female and male uh, haircuts just because of today's society. You know, it's very gender equality, essentially. Um, and it's it's getting a little bit more tricky with pricing. So right now I'm trying to figure out a 
what to do in that kind of situation, just because it is a little bit of a touchy situation right now. Studio CPB adjusts the pricing of their haircuts at the beginning of each year. Samantha says that in January, they will huddle up and think about a better route to tackle haircut pricing, basing it on time. Which is exactly to Kristen's point. For the most part, every hairstylist that I have spoken with, they get it, you know? I mean, you have questions, obviously, which are good and welcomed, but they they do understand it, you know? And they want to be more inclusive, and they didn't even realize they weren't being. And it's it's a really interesting dynamic, you know, to have such a creative world that really the queer community thrives in and to still have this happen. I mean, it says so much, right? Tyler has been brainstorming national plans and hopes to head east to Montreal. I want to better every city. So not just this city. So I am going national. That's been my decision. There is some ideas of maybe opening a shop here and providing education. But what I can do in the meantime is open up other shops and provide education in those shops to people I hire. Imagine if hair was described as just hair, and prices reflected time and technique. This would make every space feel safe and inclusive, and that's the most important part. Getting bangs or a new type of fade can be scary enough, so there's no need to add gender analysis to the price tag. This has been Business Inquiries. Listen in next time for the story of a small business doing their part in making Toronto a little more inclusive.